Welcome to another episode of Base New Network. I'm Sophie, aka Jonavarka, and I'm here with Punk Revolution Now, aka Kayo. And I'm here with a very special guest, someone that I honestly owe an apology to because on a previous episode, I said that Princess Poppy invented quitting drag, but it was really Bible Girl who invented it. So I'm really sorry, Bible Girl. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Tell it. Tell, tell it. it. <laughs> Bible Girl. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Tell it. You okay, don't have to apologize, of course. <laughs> oh my god, I want to edit in the Bible girl. Uh-huh, tell it. Tell it. Video, sorry. sorry. I, will, I will gladly edit that in. Okay, I, I cool. think I saw it, Sophie, you post that. That's like one of my favorite videos ever. Um, so deliciously first. So, thank you so much. We have Bible girl, the CEO. We have a first time having mm. a CEO on our podcast of yeah. dragqueenmerch.com. You probably know her from Twitter. She's like kind of, I feel like you're an OG shit poster on Twitter, kind of like legend. And um, you've also like been on every season of Drag Race and won every season, which is, yeah. So tell you got a it. real legend on. Tell uh-huh. it, tell it, uh-huh. <laughs> tell it. Well, thank you so much for having me, y'all. I'm so excited thank you to be so here. Much. I've before we like get into the tea like i've been a, such a big fan of you for like ever like i've been following you for like ugh, probably like six years on twitter or however long um you like had a huge impact on like my memes and like i feel like the like gifts i use and the references i use from like online i feel like i got a lot from you so thank you so much everyone check out bible girl i'm everyone probably knows bible girl oh thank you of course Uh, i owe it to all my brain rot what can i say yes okay so thank you so much um Kaya, we you want to get into the we got to do some news. All right, we're gonna do some sophie contrary to pop well actually people know this bible girl is very political because in a, in a good way, I mean, because she she advocates for right people's she rights. Advocates for rights. Yeah, yeah. She, and we she also yes. we love rights. <laughs> and also like, um, you're very outspoken, like free Britney activist, or you you were were at the time before the conservatorship. I, that's a hard word for me to say. Um, no, did not that you not that you don't care about Britney now. I'm just you know. You see the vision. I see what you're putting down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is. I feel like this is very apt. Okay. To talk ahead. about. Well, Sorry, yeah, guys. Well, this was this was news that. Um, this was the last day of Pride Month, which was this Supreme Court ruling. So for context, there was a person in Colorado who like they have this. They have this company where they make websites. And they wanted to start making websites for weddings. So they expanded their business to start making uh, websites for weddings. And with that expansion of their website, where you can pay them to make websites for you, they put a little little thing on their website that says, "Um, I don't want to make websites for gay weddings. It's not something I do. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm against gay marriage. And the state of Colorado, where this person is in, said, you can't put that on your website. You can't say you're not going to like provide this service to gay people. That's discrimination. So you need to take it off your website. So this person who has this business where they're refusing to make websites for weddings for gay couples... 
um, she sued. It went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said that this person has the freedom of speech to be able to put on their website and say they're not going to basically let you know gay people be their customer for, for making websites for them. And this is, you know, a huge, I mean, there's really no way to put it. It's a, it's a huge, um, it's a nightmare. It opens the gate to businesses being able to just turn customers away because they're gay. Um, it's simple as that, you know, obviously the conservatives see it as like freedom of speech, freedom of religion, etc. But, you know, you take all the kind of jargon away about free speech, about freedom, blah, blah, blah. And really, the bare bones of it is this is has opened the gateway to being able to discriminate. It's very obviously very concerning for the LGBTQ community. It does raise questions about, you know, could this also open the door to, for example, if someone didn't want to provide wedding services for, like, interracial couples? It, it raises a lot of questions because it very explicitly opens the door to discrimination, um, across lots of people. So last day of pride, there was a lot of, a lot of Supreme court action that was going on, but I feel like this was like a good topic for us to talk about just because, um, it, it, you know, like I said, it was like the last day of pride. And, um, I feel like this is kind of a, a bigger trend right now where a lot of states and government officials and politicians are trying to roll back LGBTQ rights, especially, I mean, we, I'm sure, you know, we've all heard the crazy stories about trying to quote unquote protect children from uh, drag shows or whatever, you know, the most crazy thing I've ever heard. Um, but this was, yeah, this was an actual, like, I guess you could say win for conservatives as insane as it is. That's the police coming for you because you're being too base. <laughs> yeah, there was, a, there was a, I don't know if people can hear it in the podcast, but there was a police siren uh, in the background while I was talking through that. Yeah, and the, the, the police are coming after me for... Um, speaking the truth. For speaking the truth. Oh, my God. It's the IDGAF uh, constable. The They're on the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so not a super happy news no. item, but it's... What do, you, what do you think? Like, what are your thoughts? Well, <laughs> so comprehensively, it's on some fucking bullshit, just to begin right. with, you know? Of course. Um, I would say, like, you know, to to Punk Revolution's point, it's like, we it's it's this bizarre, like, micro-dosing of rollback and regressive um, legislation or um, just kind of sweeping precedence of just open discrimination where I feel like based on whether it's stuff that's been written into law or stuff that's starting to, there's enough ambiguity for people to define what they feel they're allowed to do in terms of what that discrimination looks like. It's, it's, it's only furthering being enabled by like something that happened with SCOTUS this past week. And, um, Mm -hmm. I think it's such a slippery slope as, as we've seen in bearing uh, many multiple variations of this type of context where it's like, there's such a level of heightened ambiguity, which, only they know that like when they're doing this so they know that then it allows more a jar room for them to really fucking just ramrod more bullshit through and i feel like right now more than ever um as even just said again before like it's happening in a very interesting rate and a pace that um feels uh, dangerously consistent in like integers 
and it, it, it feels heavy. It feels like it's very omnipresent. Um, and I feel like, unfortunately, we really haven't seen the end of it. Um, but then trying to also be pragmatic and I, I operate from glass half full with, with a realistic POV too and understanding like really what we're up against. You're definitely, Kaya's the same way. My boyfriend, he's very similar. I, I, I do, I, I, I anticipate the worst, but yearn to hope for the best. And I feel like something that's kind of helped me maintain a little bit more of a, a based framework, if you will, while dealing with all this shit (laughs) is, um, knowing that history always repeats itself and you Mm -hmm. know as we're in contemporaneously now it's going to just manifest in a different way because times are just different but i think that although the frame Uh the framework itself is different the context doesn't change and i think it's just this it's it doesn't justify the fact that it's happening i think we're just at this bizarre pendulum swing right now um and i don't know that obviously i don't think we can define what that um that 180 effect will look like um but i think uh, for me part of me trying to offset this counterculture to our counterculture for lack of a better term what i try to do mm. or what i find i can do is just not allow it to make me feel like i'm being put back in a corner mm-hmm. as a queer person um mm-hmm. and so it just I, I feel like it's really important for any of us to really kind of maintain our presence and whatever that looks like um, mm-hmm. and not feel like we're having to go back into the depths to um, compromise. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, as a drag queen and, like, or artist queer person, like, that, like, I, I can't even imagine, like, all these, like, laws just hitting you, like, in quick succession and, like, trying to stay positive. It must be really frustrating, but I admire you so much. It's, oh, thank you. Yeah, there was... So, there... like, you just keep getting hit with bullshit and i feel so bad <laughs> <laughs> oh it's that's the bible girl war in and of itself anyway you that's know, I know that's true that's as, true <laughs> as this obviously is not uniquely to my experience when it comes to these types of discrimination or red herring distractions mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. from people who don't want any of us to exist it's, it's it was interesting so like uh not not to get too hasty here in topicality but it's the, the succession as you're talking about like uh, for me specifically, with the Target backlash that happened, it, no, ha- yeah, let's get it happened it. within like two weeks before I was hosting Dallas Pride. And so I I love working in the South and like I don't think obviously discrimination maintains just in the South. But what I was seeing was amidst um, these types of the, the backlash, which was all again just predicated on complete BS and absolute misinformation on Twitter by that side that was looking to that is looking to vilify all of us saying how they had seen like my shirt specifically in stores and they couldn't believe Target would allow that to be a thing but like that's not true like it was an online only exclusive my product specifically um and then that was though because of that misinformation and all like this hoopla so to speak it was putting my name in Mm -hmm. a very bizarre um spotlight that in that lead up to Dallas, it was definitely anxiety inducing. That and feels like traumatizing. Yeah, and, to and be it, specifically targeted, targeted like you're like because I are you you're referring to the shirt, the one that's like the fake magazine cover. Yeah. that's like Bible Girl six six six. Yeah, that shirt was so good. I was Thank gonna buy you. it too. <laughs> well, it's on Drag Me merch now. I'll get your shipping it is, info. I'll send is. y'all some. So. 
Um, oh my goodness. Please, absolutely. Okay. It'd be an absolute pleasure. But yeah, Slay. so it's just because of something that, like, that, and the reason they were even upset about it, like, there was no reference to the 666 numerology on the design itself. It was more of, like, a clerical thing where whoever, the, the, I, I presume, straight intern that was uploading the product just, like, saw my username involved in, like, the, the, mm-hmm. the tags for the art credit or whatever and um, mm. just kind of lumped it all there. And so I think it was really a comedy of uh, domino effect error, which yielded to a greater kind of point of trauma here. So it was like seeing my name being cast across different like viral conservative news pundits on Twitter where, you know, some of them were based in Texas and um, there were people who would be responding in favor of this, like just the hateful rhetoric and vitriol who are also located like their geotags on their profile were literally like Dallas, Texas. So like there was definitely a heightened mm. sense of anxiety. Um, and worried you might be targeted like in person or yeah. Cause you know, it's just, That's you really terrifying. don't know. And, um, and you know, it's, it's an open carry state on top of that. So there was just like, so, yeah. so much like in my, uh, existential paranoid ether in my brain to begin with and so like there was just more of this shit hitting 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 and there came a point where i i didn't want to cancel or pull out because i was so excited to do it any gig i've worked in the Mm -hmm. south has always been my favorite and there were so many um performers who i had known for years that were in the lineup that i had never met before Mm -hmm. but that's like i think that's a testament to our community especially in like these modern times is like online we founded or we have found ourselves and so i felt like for me to not show up a did a disservice to the community without like being self-important about it but like also like letting them win and stuff yeah exactly and then like also it's it would have been antithetical to what my job is as well um and it's not supposed to be uh folding like a fucking lawn chair like target did over a couple of drag queen t-shirts um and just needing to stick with my conviction um because I, th- that would have been a, a choice of mine, uh, in, in my opinion, I guess like an abuse of my own privilege of me being like, well, you know, let me just stay in my apartment. I'm too scared, blah, blah, blah. It's like SpongeBob with his three little friends, the tissue, the penny, whatever, <laughs> the potato chip. And like, I just didn't want to fucking do that. It's, it felt wrong. Like there are queer people, there are queer artists that are also in, in Texas or in any of these places that have a bit more of a heightened level of anxiety or the culture mm-hmm. isn't caught up to full points of acceptance yet. And it's like, they live this every single fucking day. So I just really had to like pull my big girl pants up and say like, I need to commit. I'm committing, even though I had been booked for months at that point in that like final two week window, I was like, no, I'm just going to fucking do it. I packed my bag so I didn't give myself any room to like even question it at that point. And I went and I regret nothing about it because it was still an amazing time. And um, the, the producer of that Pride of Palooza, uh, her name's Bleach, incredible queen, um, really went above and beyond to make sure, as I had vocalized her, like I was definitely anxious. Um, and she made sure that the, 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 the place that we were at had ample uh, security that was ethical and um, awesome. people who were vigilant and made sense to be in that space and um, again I don't regret going and I, I, I in retrospect I, I think I would have felt really fucking stupid if I didn't do it regardless of like anything happened or not because like again it would just be so antithetical and 
I, I think I would be kicking myself for probably the rest of my life if I wound up doing something like that too. Yeah, to me, it's really interesting because this sounds like, um, you know, in my head, which I'm not an expert, but to me, this sounds like what drag has kind of always been about, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's been underground since, you know, its origins. It's been something that's counterculture and, and punk. And, you know, it's, you know, that flame of drag, even though drag has gotten like a lot more mainstream and popular with RuPaul, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, you know, doing the drag despite the, you know, the, the frank, you know, dangers that come with it. You know, it definitely seems like it's, it's like that punk flame of drag is still alive and well. A hundred percent. And I, I do recall, like, not to bring up a RuPaul quote, it's not a real quote, it's a very loose quote, but didn't RuPaul say, like, drag can never be mainstream, even though, the that's, show is that's so me when I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. So no, that's a good point. I think. What What do you um What do you think about like I'm just What do you think, um, what are your feelings I guess on on Target, um, because you know I I could see kind of arguments going both ways. One mm-hmm. where it's like it's admirable they would reach out, um, for, you know. LGBTQ create to LGBTQ creators for their pride collection and, and the fact that they're doing the pride collection but then also like on the other hand like you said they did cave to the pressure that they were get the re, you know the the reaction from the right wing mm-hmm. based off conspiracy theories um I guess like kind of what, what what's your kind of sense of like how do you feel about Target after all that um, I'm definitely a little jaded for sure. I don't hold the division that we directly worked with uh, super accountable because it was predominantly comprised of queer people who were very receptive mm-hmm. from the beginning of when we were building this about over a year ago now at this point. Um, I think where I, I find my frustration and I struggle to reconcile with if I would ever honestly work with them again Um it, you know, it's, it, it comes at the top. And I think, you know, we look at something like even the Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light experience. I was just thinking that. It, it yeah. just, it, it, it's actually infuriating even more so in that instance because they had no problem leveraging or tokenizing someone's existence as a trans woman and mm-hmm. saw currency in that until right. it got too fucking hot in the kitchen for them. And, you know, she made that video... Uh, either yesterday or two days ago, really, yeah, the, really hammering home how painful uh, that is and how it's actually completely counterproductive and borderline. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in my opinion, and I don't want to, I don't want to put a word in her mouth if I'm misspeaking here, but in my opinion, it's it's abusive. You put someone out in mm-hmm. the forefront like that in what was framed as um, good faith, and you just had no fucking spine, and then you just left her out. Yeah, they didn't even reach out to her, which is like super fucked up. Sorry, like if no, it is. You're right. It's it's so ridiculous. Like clearly, I mean, I don't know why I would expect like a corporation like Bud Light or whatever, whatever Among Us Bush. It's I can't remember what it's called. Sorry, (laughs) the like parent company. (laughs) It has it has Bush in the name, so obviously it's bad. It's Republican. It's obviously Republican. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. no, for no, 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 it's true. It's true. No, no, it's true. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Ollie London cameo. God. Um, (laughs) No, it's true. It's true. Like anyway, um, God. So like. 
I don't know why I would expect Bud Light to actually care about mm. someone like a queer person and like a, or, or anyone they work with that isn't like I don't know celeb like a super big celebrity. It's also just like, or actually care about someone. It's shocking they to you use that there's, their face. There's no PR team that right. said like, don't you understand that there's higher ramification to this? Like even if you don't like understand the nuances. As a PR team, you're kind of trained how to deal with crisis management, and it just seems like they were yeah. devoid of any access to that whatsoever. Um, the least they could have done is like said, "Hey, I'm so sorry that you are receiving mm-hmm. all this hate." You know, mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. the least they could do. But they never, as far as I know, they never reached out to her. I think she just said that in her video yeah. that she posted. Yeah, and to not have and a direct first party reach out, being like, uh. That's we no, fucked that up. I I studied I studied like PR in college and like that's like that's a like rule number one is you gotta like maintain those relationships and like Yeah have a the cordial like line of communication and that's just like it's really messed up. So my question is did they did they did Target reach out to you? Did they apologize or say anything? Uh well no. Um, that you can say. Sorry, no, I don't no, 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 you're okay. I was just referencing Tokyo Tony. Uh, they did not. <laughs> and, um, they definitely did not. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, my, sorry. no, 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 you're okay. You're okay. We need brevity here. It's all good. Or levity. Excuse me. It's all good. Um, but she, so it was, there was no direct apology, uh, or like condolences thing because it, it really wound up being this bizarre half-baked walk back where Mm. um it was inconsistent on like a statewide level where uh anything that was in store there were things that like might have been overlooked by employees while they were pushing everything to the back from the front of the store for pride displays and there i mean there's a story about um someone who found a shea shirt on the floor and yeah. they were doing the checkout situation. I like in this situation, like when you go to self checkout with liquor and then it flags a clerk over or whatever. Oh, um, yeah. And so that's essentially what happened based on what I was reading into with that experience. And whoever the clerk was, I came over to this customer. I was like, oh, we actually can't sell this to you. And but then that's also what's weird is that there was well, still some availability. It, right. It's a fucking t-shirt and just give it to them for free i mean i don't want to speak to your business no 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 i i I prescribe to that same notion i agree right like i'd rather someone take it and find enjoyment in it rather than like not don't incinerate it that's messed up yeah that's so messed up um and so then when it's coupled with that and then like their reasoning where uh when they were walking back or minimizing their pride in like their in-store collection aisles end caps whatever the fuck they were their 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 weird use of like well our employees are getting threatened and it's like okay so like the other people on right. the other side Hi- of it. Right, like, hire more security. You're a billion-dollar company that has the infrastructure to do so, A, so you should be protecting your employees innately. B, that... Uh, and B, I say B, but not that one has a, press, uh, a priority over the other in terms of my notions here, but it's like... Uh, the, the reasoning makes no sense because if you are worried about the protection of your employees, so then you're going to waffle and fold, which then actually grants further license to the people who already made you walk it back and who are actively discriminating against us to feel more emboldened to do so. It's a completely counterproductive right. and um, 
hypocritical uh, point that they tried to use as leverage to validate why they thought it was a good idea, which obviously clearly it wasn't. It was all fucking bullshit at the end of the day. Yeah, I, and I remember like when this was happening, I felt like, wow, like I feel like just like a few years ago, like when there was backlash to like a pride collection, like Mm -hmm. these major corporations would be like, they would like clap back at them, you know? Yes, yes, exactly. And now now they're caving. Exactly. Like they'd be like, all right, unfollow me. Like, lol. Like, Mm -hmm, you know, like they'd kind of do their little clap back, Mm -hmm. which they're now they aren't doing which is well it's kind of freaky one thing <laughs> one thing that definitely feels different to me about this moment mm-hmm. and this is something like sophie and i have like talked about is like you know thinking about now versus like 10 15 years ago you know the the debates about you know gay marriage 10 years ago 15 years ago mm-hmm. etc and like the kind of revival of lgbtq rights as like a mainstream political topic that's like on the top of everyone's mind is I feel like this, what makes this moment feel worse, you know, it's hard to say, you know, maybe maybe if you like do polls now, maybe people, the general public now is less homophobic than they were 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But what makes like the political moment feel worse is it just feels so much more like grounded in violence I and agree. conspiracy theories. Like yeah. now we have right-wingers who are using threats of violence and accomplishing what they want, you know? Like, we have, like, the Supreme Court, who, you know, does what, you know, 15 years ago, they they were using the same language as, like, 15 years ago about, you know, free speech and religious rights, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. All this stuff we know is just, like, hocus-pocus bullshit Mm -hmm. to justify discrimination. Mm -hmm. And then you see, like, the actual, like, population of, like, far-right reactionaries getting what they want through straight-up coercion and conspiracy theories, and you cannot even have like a debate that even pretends to be based on anything Absolutely. real because it's completely like when someone calls you know an entire community of people groomers, it's such an insane thing. You don't even know where to start in rebuttaling it. Right. There's no rationalizing with the irrational. They're completely illogical. They're like terrorists. You can't like negotiate. Yeah. Or they they like these corporations and. Or we're refusing to negotiate with them. Absolutely. And re- reason reason has gone out the window. And, you know, whether... Uh, there's no justification to the behavior, whether it's because they drank the fucking Kool-Aid, they're innately hateful people. As long as they're able to fulfill what they have as their biases, they will do anything at any cost to make sure that they are comfortable in satiating whatever those biases are in their brains. And again... It's nothing that I think any of us as rational individuals could ever wrap our heads around to like even understand what's going on in their fucking heads because it's clearly not much and that's not a brain I want to really honestly be in. But it's like going even going back to the SCOTUS thing and like uh, Kai, as we were just talking about the religion hocus pocus, that's the thing that honestly pisses me off the most too here and uh, maybe it's it's more obvious than, I, I'm not really trying to preach to the choir here, it's like the, the, the church and state separation thing, it's weird how, like, that gets lost in the minutia when all of these conservatives are punching forth with First Amendment, First Amendment, like, rights, rights, rights. And it's like, do you, like, forget, like, the, like, the piece of paper that you're fighting for, by the way, like, actually had has checks and balances that actively check your bullshit, but you are cognitively dissociated from any of that or any of its like historical context 
and your because they've they've maintained that consistent level of letting that kind of fall to the wayside it's allowed this further precedent of just like blurring the lines and allowing god to somehow dictate uh license to be absolutely hateful and like gross um to be okay and acceptable and it's like i mean amy comey barrett is a great example as well um just like her entire fulcrum of coming into scotus which she swore was not 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 the case was the roe v wade stuff and then her entire background is predicated on being a religious zealot and so i think we just see that bear repeating more and more whether it's in scotus or just our governing bodies in general um where somehow god is involved with guns um and putting kids in danger and again somehow somehow drag entertainers queer people are the danger to kids but we're now change the rhythm to the point where we're selling bulletproof backpacks as if it's like completely fucking normal um but for god so that's what makes it okay it just blows my mind bible girl uh-huh tell it tell it uh-huh. <laughs> yeah yeah you do I, I like that point you brought up um about i guess you could kind of like just the the the, the there's like an inherent hypocrisy of like kind of just picking and choosing what parts of like these institutions you're cool with basically weaponizing and other parts you're going to turn your blind eye to Mm -hmm. and it definitely seems at this point um the right wing in the united states have definitely gone a little bit more you know mask off about not really giving a shit about institutions many actually literally just like today i was seeing seeing like elon musk tweeting about you know how democracy is like you know inevitably going to fail or whatever just you know just like they're they're very they're it's it's they don't they don't care about the rules they're just going to whatever rules they can use to to accomplish their like far right vision they'll use and if they they want to play outside the rules they'll do it too mm-hmm. and if it's very frustrating when you know in the United States the you know center left left wing progressives are trying to operate within these institutions and rules, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Biden being like the absolute pinnacle of, you know, get left-wing things done by playing by the rules and mm-hmm. then you get very little things done. Mm-hmm. And then you have like the right wing who's using a combination of like capturing the courts and then actual threats of violence yes. um, to, well, basically make the lives of everybody who's not just like them worse. Yeah, and that's the biggest problem I have, I think, honestly, with uh, the more progressive-leaning parties, too. Not in an absolute sense, but the ones who are really calling the shots or uh, being checked by their own balances, so to speak. It's always reactionary response versus proactive protocol is kind of how I've interpreted it. Um, like, I, I, to your point, Kai, again, it's like uh, Kamala Harris at Stonewall or... Um, Joe Biden's Twitter account tweeting all the fucking pride flags on the White House lawn. None of that means anything until, like, there's an absolute sense of equal protection rights. And, like, the fact that, you know, uh, gay, gay marriage, of course, is, like, tip of the iceberg here. But it's, like, the fact that that is already being undermined from like seven yeah. years, eight years ago when that felt pivotal. And that's like a post yeah. post prop eight, you know, all of that kind of shit. It's bizarre that I like in my brain I see like this like this apex thing where 
it's it's going up and then like on that downward trend it's just a mirrored version of what was going up in that regressive sense and so it's like and that's so hurtful to see yeah. and you know like like i can see, i hate to say this and i i really hope to god it doesn't happen but i feel like i can see and at least at a like f- like full thought out like attempt to like undermine gay marriage and like like make it illegal again well yeah and that's the thing too is like i'm sorry i'm not very articulate no that's so not true don't 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 it's like it's they they because they don't they don't care to understand the nuance they don't care to understand the experience they see the the queer experience as uh one two two things that i think they compound to one it's like danger to kids and oh why don't why do they just want to get married anyway and it's like whatever falls tertiarily under as like butterfly effect from like either of those notions where it's like you're gonna start vilifying us about children again and it's like y'all seem to have no problem that feels like a 1970 that no that feels like a 1950s 70s 60s like talking point yes yes and like to hear it again, like in earnest, is like really like like so amplified is really scary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I the the gay marriage thing, like I don't know, it's not relevant to me anymore. But I used to like identify as like a lesbian, mm-hmm. and when they like made it legal, I was very happy. Obviously, um, it's not really relevant to me anymore. But um, just like. It's just like really sad and like upsetting. Yeah, and despite. you know, for the party that's all about family and the unit being together, right. the rights that also fall apart from that is like you can't see your partner then if they're sick in the hospital. Like exactly, you know, it's like exactly. there's such a gross, it's like those little things. Yeah, and those are the little things that count the most for queer people. Like whether yeah. it's chosen family, partners, um, love. <laughs> that it's, it's so stupid love is love but like in a queer experience um like that's something that we fight to have and share with people whether it's you know platonic or in an inter- interpersonal relationship uh, a romantic interpersonal relationship i should say and so to have that feel like it's on this bubble bursting beyond like our control um, and again, the, this marriage, the marriage topic itself, I'm being very hyperbolic with that because it's, it's just a, it's an easy scratch on the surface point, but, um, it just, it, it yeah. feels weird that like it, it doesn't feel definite. None of this feels definite right now. And that's the scary part for sure. There's a lot of ambiguity and gray area with where we're going to go in terms of equality. Cause right now it's, it's a little gray. Amen, sister. Ugh such sad things but i like that you're optimistic and kayo is pretty optimistic too so i feel a little bit better because like you guys are the greatest minds of our generation bible girl and bible girl and punk revolution now in the headquarters planning out the uh, the revolution wait yeah wait. i smell i smell united nations uh, uh reset we just we need to we need to get Jake Yonce in here. Then we're just kidding. <laughs> then we're, we're <laughs> no, we're then we're, we're fully <laughs> equipped. <laughs> Sorry. Let's get RuPaul in there too, Alright. Ru- yeah. Ru- 
<laughs> Good old Ru- I need Ru- RuPaul. RuPaul's the master. RuPaul's going to protect us. R-O-O-P-L-E. If she can remember any of our names. Literally. <laughs> oh, my God. Someday I need to have RuPaul on here. <laughs> just, that, would be, that would be so funny. Sorry. Um, okay, so I like... Not to make it about RuPaul. I no, just... Please. She's, like, the biggest source of, like, memes in my life. Oh, wait, actually, <laughs> real quick, I wanted to say, because Bible Girl, you, like, said something that was a quote from RuPaul, and Sophie didn't understand that. And what? you're like, No, no, remember remember when you're like, what did, what did you say? You're talking about, like, you're like, you're like, oh, I was doing an impression of this person. Remember that? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was that? Do you remember? Oh, oh, uh, Tokyo Tony. Tokyo Tony. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. By the way, like, oh no, I was just doing a Tokyo Tony impression. That was that blew my mind because there are so many times where I'm talking to Sophie and then Sophie does like an impression from like RuPaul or like Twitter of some drag queen or someone, <laughs> and I don't get it. And Sophie's like, oh, sorry, that was like this thing. You'll she's yes, like, you'll yes. see when we get to season when you get to season ten, you'll understand. The reference. <laughs> Colloquial oh conjecture. Nina, Nina Bonina, Osama bin Laden Brown. You'll get that queen. when you get to season ten. Yeah. I oh I need Nina Bonina Brown on this podcast. Oh, the podcast is called Well It's Over. <laughs> please, please. She's someone who the really did have her thumb on the pulse of meme culture too. Like in like Oh God, yes. Facebook drag groups. She hustled. Oh. <laughs> No, it's true. Like graduations, funerals, like <laughs> many weddings. Like okay, that's a re- that's a reference to Whitney Houston clip. Um, okay, here we go. Playing this game again. So what were we talking about? Sorry, I just no, made no, no, no. RuPaul. No, no, let's let's. I'm down to shift the conversation to sure. like just drag world. Yeah, get let's get into it. As a disclaimer. This is obvious, but there is there is drag beyond RuPaul and the Ru girls, but boy, do they make some good memes. Um, They short, amen, sister. Like, oh my god, (laughs) RuPaul, literally. A lot of people say like RuPaul, like is their, like, icon of drag, but RuPaul is, like, my icon of, like, memes, you know? Like, Just, uh, the slay the world! Did that fucking Slay vine? the world! Oh, oh that... God. Like, oh, my God. Like, graduations, funerals again. Like She's a lol video, cow. She... It, oh, my God. I've never heard anyone say that, but that is so true, right, Kayo? Like, would you agree? Can you explain... A lol cow? Yeah. Oh, so, like, a lol cow is, like, someone on the internet that, like, people kind of i feel like chris chan is probably like the biggest like example of a lol cow i feel like i've yeah. heard the term i'm just gonna google it's it like, right now like a source like like you're milking them for like lols basically because <laughs> they like are so crazy like they just produce like um like so much like funny content usually like not to their own awareness yes yes it's an unaware full like yeah, Irony. exactly. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's a cypher for that. And RuPaul is such a lol Yes. She really is. Um, I, I think I talked to to Princess Poppy about this um, when I had her on this podcast. Um, like, how RuPaul and the show RuPaul's Drag Race has, like, m- completely, like, I don't know, done such a good service to meme culture and people don't even, like, realize that. Absolutely. Roo, pick me, woo. I mean, it's countless, <laughs> yeah. it's countless, and I think... No, um, like, I I wanted to ask you if there's, like, a favorite 
like RuPaul meme or like clip or video that like you like the most? I know there's Bible Girl, huh? Tell it. <laughs> yes, yes. But um, that always takes precedent wait, for sure. Wait, 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 wait. As someone who hasn't watched that, like, what was the context of? that clip i don't know it looks like it's like one of those like ep- like recap episodes it's from like recap. season five season you're literally five. right you're literally right so it's season oh it's the season oh. five uh it's the, before they so they would have the, the final finale or before the reunion yeah it was in between like the studio oh my filmed God, my final episode and then when they did the live taping and so there was always an episode in between that was just like a filler episode because of whatever the contractual Girl, buyout for that season was no one's asked no one uh, no one's asked was watching those except no, <laughs> same like untucked exclusive bullshit and um oh, trust. so trust. she i think it was that i'm pretty sure it was a season five one and because latrice was involved latrice royale of season four. Oh, that's season four well yes but so in that in that oh. clip specifically i think rupaul was like pretending to be in like a like a nfl uh, sportcaster box and then like was going over oh. to Latrice for like a weather report and she <laughs> oh, asked yes, Latrice I remember that. like what the weather was Latrice gives her answer and then it cuts back to her going Bible girl uh-huh <laughs> tell it tell it I put that I put that in my first audition tape Oh, you did? Yeah, that was the oh first God, thing that opened right. with <laughs> Yeah, fun fact I know I know you have an audition twice? Yes, audition twice, asked twice, um, but and uh, they did not do anything. No, right? no, they didn't. Um, and the, I was actually so such a loss. I would say, a I, yeah, I think they definitely have a massive L in not seeing a bigger picture. I suppose because like the first. Oh my so, god, you could have won! Pe- oh, like I have. Long. What are you talking? Well, about? you have won. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, no, get get it together. Um, but like, I, the, I, I auditioned for the first time unprompted for season eight. Um, I'm glad I didn't get on then. I was really green. Oh, okay. Um, but mm. it would, it would have been delicious mess, but it would have stunted the entire that trajectory. That would have been so funny. Like a, the like Derek Barry Bible girl, like, like tea, like drama. Would be no, so like literally like the cast lineup itself would have just been bonkers with me in there too i know um, like i'm okay let me think what season would have been best for bible girl like in real life like actually well we all know she's won and lost every season <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to think like what season would you like be the best on or like would work well with in uh, my brain i'm curious to see where I'm you sure go you have an, i'm sure you have an answer for this but oh god all star season two that would sl- okay. Try not saying cunt. Yeah, literally, try not to say cunt challenge. <laughs> oh my god, wait. Bible Girl would have won All Star season two. She did win All Star season two. <laughs> Tell it. Tell it. Tell it. Oh, sorry. I well, okay, I didn't finish Kaya, the Okay, you know the lore is the lore is that 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 like her running joke is that she's she she's been on every season, she's won every season and lost. Sophie, every I know the lore. I know. I'm sorry. I've gotten booked because of it though. For people who don't pay attention. Tension and they think yeah true, true. and it's so oh, it's wow. it's been like a subversion of like the um yeah the industry yeah. culture where like the stock gets uh solely bla- uh placed within uh rue girls or drag race alumni mm. for bookings or higher paying mm. bookings and so when i first started right. doing it i got more and more inquiry like whether it was 
planting oh. the silly seeds of, oh, she's going to be on or, oh, she was on. And I, there's always one story I tell. It's it's the most distinct one that I can recall where, like, I was, I was in Dallas, actually, funny enough. It was in 2016. And I, it was a show at the House of Edwards. And I Ooh, was collecting. Edwards. Yeah, it was it was Alyssa Ganja Gia and myself as insane. Ganja and Gia. Wait, that would be the that's a slay lineup. It was really slay, and like I, I actually I just toured Brazil with Gia and Ganja too, like a couple <gasps> months prior to that. So like we already had like a good working time here. Came to Brazil. Oh, I came saw and conquered Brazil, baby. Two weeks. It was so Ooh. fun. Yes, it was a fabulous time. But um. <laughs> I was, I was collecting. <laughs> oh, I was getting. Kaya, um, Kaya is, uh, is dad is from Brazil. Oh my god! So we love Brazil on this podcast. Oh yes, we do. Where in Brazil is uh, your father from? Rio. Oh my god! Rio, love it. Cool. Rio girl, tell it. Very cool. Yeah, Rio was amazing. Uh, I remember in Rio we actually did. There was a venue, Cine de Joia, I think. It was just amazing, and the show went until like eight thirty the following morning that it had started. We were literally on the premises for like. 12 hours. It was amazing. Um, but so uh, I was collecting this check from this Dallas gig at the end of the night. I'm in the manager's office and he hands me the envelope and gave me like this nudge, nudge, wink, wink of, I've heard big things. I can't wait to see what we're all going to see in a couple of months. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I see what's going on here. <laughs> I got it. Um, oh Wait, so, I feel like I remember like articles like falsely reporting that you're yep. gonna be on, or maybe that was the Mandela effect. Yeah, no, no, no. There were there was that, um, and then there were definitely times like this is totally like my peak troll like behavior, where like if you remember Periscope being a thing on Twitter, it was like um, mm. it was like live streaming on Twitter before like yeah. TikTok live yeah, before was a thing, the I guess. Spaces, I yeah, and so gotcha. when it was like time for all of the season eight girls to be gone i would go live on periscope after already inclinating that i was gone filming and then i would be live <laughs> but never show myself it would just be like these really weird like um like tiny furniture-esque like bizarre things me like kicking cardboard oh boxes my with my wings couldn't tell who it was or like all of a sudden i was like posting exclusively just like ambiguous pictures of buildings on my grid very clearly like not photos of myself and it got Wait, so so did you do that for the entire like 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 you did the whole like period of like i think for like the, honestly like the first half i did and it got to the point actually oh where God. um i was sitting on my living room couch and uh my partner literally gets attacked we're sitting next to each other watching tv and detox texts him and she's like um, you might want to make it a little less obvious that she's gone right now. And he, and he texted her back, he's like, she's literally sitting right next to me. So, it, it reverberated much, much so that's across so the industry. Funny. Yeah, so, um, that was, so that's... That's a, that's committing to the bit. Oh. Because, if, like, that's committing to the bit, because Kaio, for context, like, when the queens are, like, on Drag Race, like, they can't, you know this, like, they can't have their phone or anything and like so they don't post or they have like someone post for them so that's how like all those those channels be like you know the ones with like the i i movie like stock music (laughs) (laughs) like the like template and they're like (laughs) rumored cast and then like were you ever on in the, any of those videos yes yes i like was. unironically yes unironically i was Drag tea served with matt oh, live my live king. laugh love with my miss, miss t served wait with i'm matt. obsessed i'm obsessed with him me too I Ta- you should 
I should. I know. One, okay, because one time I had, like, one time I posted a meme of, like, just his, I love his, like, profile picture. Mm-hmm. It's just him, like, smiling. Like, it's, I'm like, just, very like, Tom of MySpace. Yeah, like, he's super, like, wholesome and, like, kind of innocent a little so bit. Sweet. Like yes. Like, and I don't mean this, like, in a mean way at all, but I feel like he, he's, like, not tapped into, like, our sense of humor, like, the Stan Twittery, like, I've seen like I've seen a waxing of his understanding though. So I agree. Oh, with he's getting you. better. I've 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 definitely noticed like on the TL his like being involved with more of like Wait, those slay. postmodern ironic type of drag race conversations where like he definitely Ooh. has caught kept caught on to that. Yeah, he's becoming sentient. <laughs> yeah, we're rotting him. We're rotting him from the inside out. <laughs> I know. And. Um, but that's the thing, to your point, I he's agree with you. He's too innocent He's so that, wholesome, though. and, like, his content... He's so wholesome. His content is done in such earnest that, like, I can't Every help. video, every video in, in my watch history, like, girl, like, he, uh, he, he, he always, like, gives you a good, like, Roscoe's recap. Like, yes, yes. And, I, yeah, and like, like, his little bye consistent. send-off is so cute. Like, okay, guys, bye. Thank you, like, bye. Oh, <laughs> he's so like, cute. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Mm-hmm. I love. <laughs> no, I love. I love him. But anyway, I posted a picture of this profile picture, and I said like he has he changed my life or something. Oh, it's like, it's true. like, and then he res- he commented like a bunch of laughing and crying emojis. Was like, <laughs> is this a joke or not? <laughs> like he like DM me asking if I was being serious. Like he thought I was making fun of him, which I I genuinely wasn't. Like I mean, it's like a meme, so it's like a little bit like haha, like. It's funny that I'm making a meme about drag tea served with Matt. Like that's funny. Yeah. But like I genuinely like like him and I watch his videos. So like of course, of But course. anyway, he's he's mother. Um I I am also a fan of who else do I stand in the drag race drama? I mean Jake Yonsei is the OG. <laughs> yes. Um. She's the cornerstone to say the least. Um I really I, like um Jack Fed is a really good Jack Fed, yes. I, I watch Jack, Jack Fed. Yeah. Um and then oh Kayla says she does Oh, I watch uh, her too. She does really good like culture commentary in general. She but does. Her yeah. from like a production standpoint, her ability to interpret a lot of the um jump the sharkiness that drag race tends to have these yeah. days is very on point and I just always appreciate Right. Doesn't she, I think she has like a background in in television so yeah she's, she's a producer on i think it's cnn for yamish i believe i don't want to oh my god speak, wait. Yeah, yeah she knows her shit so mad respect to kayla for sure yeah respect i love the her pick crew profile picture. <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> this is very niche but i'm sure people will get this yes I'm yes they'll pick it up they'll pick it up the drag race youtuber comment <laughs> <laughs> all right i have i have a pretty basic question okay but I'm definitely curious. How did you kind of like get so big in the drag world um, from, you know, like you said, and Sophie, you never were on, or actually you were, you were on every season of RuPaul, but you know, like, I'm just curious, like, like, I don't know, from my, my perspective as like an outsider kind of new to the whole art form of it, I really only, you know, have able, I've been able to kind of like dip my toes into it from watching RuPaul and I know obviously it's something that's existed long before then and there's a whole a lot of really cool stuff going on in drag outside of RuPaul but how did you get so big in the world of drag? Um, I think it's I think there are multiple variables at hand here um, I, I think to start with when I st- when I did start um, I didn't 
I started in Straight Night Life as like a club promoter, and so I didn't really have a direct inlet to working within the local community while I was living in New York at the time. And so I felt like that was already like a carved out niche that gave me like a little bit more of like a confidence edge, I suppose, for when time came to come over and cross over into the industry. So once that happened on a local level here in New York, that was also like, not to quote RuPaul again, like before drag was on that mainstream trajectory, realistically, it was probably like post season six of Drag Race and like um, Instagram being utilized as like a marketing or a business tool was really not, a, not really a thing quite yet. And so as I was starting in my bedroom queen era into trying to eventually uh, transfer over into working in venues, that was like a weird uphill battle where I was able to market outward so that there was a little bit of palace intrigue when I was coming into those spaces. But then the double-edged sword here uh, was this bizarre dynamic of, um, I was just talking about this earlier this past week, uh, where because of how new that concept of tethering drag and queer artistry and that type of an underground punk thing to something as um, mainstream, I suppose, as Instagram was, people saw that as, like, this weird sellout thing. So, like, they, mm. they would know who I was, but then there was always, like, this bizarre contrarian pushback about, like, I wasn't doing it right or, like, oh, my God, like, you have these followers, but what do you have to show for it? Kind of weird thing. So, You're, like, yeah. So, what I wound up doing you was. You are saying, very unique. Thank in that you. Sense. Sorry, thank you. No, no, no. Don't apologize. You're cool. I'm a motor mouth. You're cool. Um, I, I just like said, I don't, I don't care that you don't like that. And I just kind of stuck to my conviction. Um, and through that, I was able to really find um, sources of support within the community here locally. Like, I, I owe so much to, there's a performer she actively still works. Um, you can get your like club coming, I believe every Saturday, if not every Saturday, pretty frequently. Uh, her name's Daphne Always. She um, is a pivotal uh, part of my career in helping uh, normalize my presence in those spaces and really disarming people's um, presumptions or preconceived notions about um, a drag queen having an Instagram following. Um, and like when, even when that was happening, I, I say only, I had, I had like probably 7,000 followers at the time when that was really becoming a thing. It and was a different time. It was so different, but like my engagement was high feedback then too. And now we've got all these fun little algorithm games that we're playing. But, um, I remember like it would always be even down to, I, after kind of even having probably at least like eight months, nine months, at least a year, honestly, now that I'm kind of thinking about it, of like established norm of me navigating freelance-ish through like guest spots um, in the scene, regardless of like what borough I was in, there would be a consistent thread of whoever I was working for, mind you, they're the ones who booked me, would announce me on the microphone in the most like setup-y of ways where it'd be like, you might not know her, but she has more Instagram followers than everyone combined in this bar. And it was always oh like, my the, God. It was like, oh, we don't need to do this. We really don't have to do this. And uh, regardless of their intention, I think that definitely added further compounded stigma. And that was also aligned with like when DragCon Year One was happening. And there was always just like this, this notion that it was a bad thing to somehow streamline business and drag artistry and it was it, there was a, a mass majority i would say of pushback locally here even like when people were like 
whether it was me or other people I was exhibiting or people who were attending, people like, you're going to set out and go into this corporate space and it's just like a mall. And I'm like, okay, like, and? And that was like, DragCon Year One is literally what solidified my going forth with creating DragCon Drag, Like, yeah. And like, because of my going on a whim a first year, I actually wasn't going to do it. And a girlfriend of mine who's still a very close friend of mine, her name's Lindsay, she was like, I think you should do this or consider doing it. And I just, I, I was like, okay. I had zero expectation on what it was going to be. And I printed like six different uh, designs of my own. And it was literally just BibleGirl666.com at that point, which redirects now to DQM if I'm not mistaken. But because of that weekend, it was like right after season seven had finished airing, Trixie and Katya were doing a joint booth and where my booth was that mm. year, I was in the corner of the convention center. So it created the, because their line and how long it was, that corner wound up becoming like a reservoir or like a watching mm. observation deck for when people who did know me were coming by, other people were seeing, I guess, my humanity, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, and just You're like, not like AI generated. Yes, which to this things. to this day I still have to pinch myself that I'm not. So um, it was nice to have other people affirm that shit for me. And then um, because of that, like I thought I printed enough stuff to carry me over for like stock to sell throughout the weekend, and um, that it was still it was two days then, um, and I sold out of everything on day one, and so that second wow. day, that second day really allowed me to bridge those connections with um, just any fans of drag in general who got to see, I think, just kind of through my entity being there, like a peek behind a curtain that went beyond uh, immediate one-to-one proximity to RuPaul's Drag Race as an enterprise um, and like what that could potentially mean or represent or even in terms of like, for me, I honestly, the thing is, and uh, so anyway, I'll, I'll concisely say like DragCon is definitely something that I think catapulted because it's it, it was a fulcrum and a catalyst for my business. It showed me that there was a wider market than what I already thought I was seeing as a market. Um, but then for me, what even supersedes all of that was it allowed me to experience and meet people, whether it was year one or onward, who have granted and given me so much more learned perspective, whether it was listening to those kids that were coming by or if they were coming by with their parents and their parents who were just there in earnest to support them but had no idea what was going on like to have conversations with parents who were just willing enough to give their kid the space to be there um i i and this is all coming to mind as i'm thinking about it now it's interesting when it's juxtaposed to how there's the vitriol about how we're, we're all a danger to kids but like without making it about me i think for any type of uh, a drag personality who maintains accessibility for any range of queer person or anyone who just like is looking for an ear, a shoulder, some type of an affirmation of just like self in general. That was something that I found that I was able to provide because I'm, I do my earnest to try and be as present as possible because I'm sure as we can all relate, like I hated feeling like I didn't belong even if I was sitting at a lunch table with people that I shared class with. And like, I think that is a parallel in many different types of social dynamics that if, if I can diffuse that or disarm that sense of anxiety and at least make people feel like even if they, you don't have to engage in the conversation, but know that you can just be, and that like 
it's not this looming subconscious thing behind everyone against you wishing that you weren't there. That's what I definitely strive to do. And I think that because it's genuine as well, I think that reads. Um, and I think that has also helped, you know, we hear stories too about like Rue girls who I, I can't even name anyone specifically, but I know that there are where they lose their sense of humanity to a degree along the way. And that sense of accessibility and meet and greets become drive by or like it's very passive scripted kind of experiences. And that's something that I've, I've really tried to not ever do no matter how much my business or my brand has scaled. Um, and then I'll leave on this last point, I guess, in the drag con ether, I suppose. But like, there's there's one family in particular who have come, with the exception of this year, they came every single year since year one. And um, it was a mother, and she, it was her first kid, uh, queer kid, uh, who was just so sweet and just so, it was their first time being introduced to a space where they saw other people like themselves. And, um, I had a one-on-one -on -one moment with their mother and she, you know, was talking about how she was raised Roman Catholic. Her husband also came from a Roman Catholic, uh, background and they both in earnest and gen genuine earnest rather were killing all of their conditions from that upbringing to support their kid and whatever their kids needs were. And now fast forward, the beauty about all these conversations, whether I had any direct influence to it or not by like further helping normalize the community or what the industry meant on a level for someone like their child, their child has now fully transitioned. And it's just like so beautiful to see like such a cool growth element in a family unit that I only saw on an annual basis who made a point of always coming back to annotate that there was a formative moment, not just for them, because I can acknowledge, honestly, it was a formative moment for me from that first year of DragCon. So that's one very specific instance, but I believe that again, it, it, it has bared repeating in multiple instances and in variating forms um, where I think because drag was something that was at its core, f something fun for me, outside of something that was supposed to put a roof over my head, I've tried to keep that injected in the experiences that people share with me. Um, and I think that's just kind of created the snowball effect that we've seen happen. Well, I have two points to make. One is I, I love that, that, um, you know, story you have about, um, well, you know, just how incredibly wholesome, I guess is the right, right word for it. You know, that drag can be for, families for for you know the youth everything that is like supposedly that you know the right wing is supposedly concerned about and is quote-unquote protecting by literally attacking kids you know first off just mm -hmm. wanted to just reiterate that point and two you know i just can't help but think about how much in common your kind of story has with and i guess this isn't surprising um, what you might hear from like a, a like a, a band like an indie band that's like in an underground genre and like how they might get big because obviously there are you know like the really really famous pop stars who are on big record labels mm -hmm. but if you're like playing you know more obscure genres underground music if you want to like kind of build you know an audience it sounds like it's probably going to be a pretty similar story where you're probably going to start out with like a niche and like a specific you know, local scene or community and just kind of build, you know, first that as like a foundation. And then you're going to want to really 
utilize the the you know social media is going to be critical and maybe there's going to be some people who are going to say that using social media is selling out and mm. not recognizing that that's just like how society functions now and it's actually really important and cool and then from networking and just like organic experiences you kind of build from there representation for girls who have a lot of followers on instagram yes, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, Kyle yeah, Kelly Gray, Kyle. I, I appreciate that that assessment. I really, it's. Um, I think uh, to your point as well to tie it even back to like the Target situation. The thing that really pissed me off um, about that was like it's about that representation factor, and it's not about if someone who's walking into a space um, as a queer person or someone who's figuring out their journey, even if they don't have the financial means or access to get the shirt or a product like that to be able to walk into a brick and mortar space as forgive the terminology white bread mainstream americana as target um and see kennedy davenport on the graphic t wall yeah that's really fucking important and like that resonates with anybody on any level of queerness age generational whatever and like to to have taken something like that away where when it was inclinated that it was going to be a thing, which gives hope to people. And then to very quickly revoke it only two weeks after the initial launch. Um, it's like, like yeah. you were saying earlier, like there's, there's trauma compounded there, but it, it's so much more layered. Like that, that pullback of saying like, yeah, this is a space for you too. And whatever that means for people to just be completely uh, siphoned out against all of our will because of people who have, conspired with misinformation and weaponized misinformation um, to, again, tie to your point, like, to actually hurt kids while saying that we're the ones hurting kids is just mind-boggling to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's really, there's really no arguing with, uh, yeah, like you said, you can't, you can't even argue with it because it's so insane. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, and honestly, too, and it, it goes without saying, you know, people who aren't LGBTQ um, benefit a lot from a lot of the work that LGBTQ people do. Hundred percent. Just li- life is just better. Life is literally just better when they're you know you're in an environment where you could just like it's just more ex- more accepting. It, mm-hmm. Everyone is um, you know. We can let our hair down. Like it's a nice. We can thing. let our hair down exactly. Right. It's it's very it's 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 it, honestly when you take all the step when you just step back and like really just look at the, like the fundamentals of it it's it's extremely like basic stuff you should learn in first grade about like you know respect others mm-hmm. <laughs> you know golden rule baby yeah exactly sharing so. is caring like the space no, should hold no, it's true. all it's types true. of parties and cultures and the fact that um again it goes back Woke to this cognitive religion. the cognitive dissonance bullshit where it's like uh i thought we were supposed to be a melting pot <laughs> i thought like differences or what made us great but apparently not so Mm -mm. until that pendulum swings i suppose (laughs) yeah it will it will it will yes it It will will because of the it will because of the epic work that viral girl is putting in to epic merch and also thank you yeah of course it's 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 honestly really um, i feel like i own a 
Bible girl, well, not a Bible girl, but like a drag queen merch shirt, actually. Oh. Of a I, I, I got it like years ago, so maybe it was. Oh, she's in the archives. <laughs> I live. <laughs> I got archival drag queen merch. Vintage. <laughs> like it's Rick Owens. Yes. Oh, that archival. Depop is yanking, honey. No. Oh, I never put her on Depop. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Um, for real um i wanted to say like bring it back like drag con year one like you had to be there like oh my god it was scarce (laughs) it was like a moment it was like woodstock you know like like people and the people there the like vibes it was so new wait sophie i was not there i was not there but But you had to be there like spiritually like you had to be like on twitter or instagram like that's the i was there spiritually i've never been to dry con i've always wanted to go and i was gonna literally ask like do they give out press passes because we're technically the press um you a thousand percent you can apply a thousand percent they're pretty good and like not super gatekeepy about that um you definitely have enough okay. cred and like resume. like i've interviewed princess puppy i've interviewed bible girl i mean and um, even in the case that like <laughs> i've interviewed other people that are not in <laughs> no but like even in the case that they don't give you a press pass i will find a way if you all are trying to make your way out <gasps> oh. to drag con at any point like when is there gonna be the when's the next drag con nyc i don't know if they're gonna do it again because no. i don't i don't i don't think because it was like um I fell to my knees in Walmart. It like I mean I, in Target. It was because <laughs> it was because the fucking Javits Center and like the New York like laws are different for like setting up uh, booth spaces uh, than like in the LA Convention Center. So I think I think it's a union based law where it's something like oh okay like you're it's the drayage fees are insane. Like you can't even bring like a ladder like through the front Staying. over the threshold and it has to be like through the back with all like the shipment stuff so it becomes so overwhelmingly expensive and like if you try to individually bring stuff through on your own you'll get like fine and there's like a whole bunch of michigas with it so la i think is definitely like the one that they're going to stay focused on domestically um Mm. there were rumors that they were thinking about doing an atlanta one but that was like right before 2020 so i think they uh i think they cut their financial losses yeah they put it into a drag race sferrier or something because now they're doing like uk right like drag race i mean a drag con uk yes and for whatever reason they've decided that it's a great idea to do it in the middle of january in the united kingdom when it's so cold and snowing like it's bizarre planning on their part but when when is the next drag con in general um so so there's that there's the london one that will be this uh this upcoming January, January. except we're not in July or uh but uh then May next year I believe it'll probably be it's usually around like the second week or so of May in Los Angeles yeah but um I mean none, make the trip. nonetheless if y'all if y'all find your way out west coast we'll we'll make some passes happen one way or another and like oh my God, even let's go. we we have Xander passes on deck so in the watch case, out watch out Trixie and Katia Loki our booth going to be so no, just kidding Oh my god go. no not the base news network booth hold on I I hear Wait, something Wait that would be so funny I hear something Wait. In- investigative journalism We're literally investigative journalists you're hitting the hard questions. Yeah. No, it's true. Like, and um, wait, how are you doing on time? I don't want to like make. You no, 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 no. I am. I am here for all of you. It's all good. Okay. Cool. 
I, Kayo, how are you doing on time? Good. I wanted to ask, have you ever met RuPaul or corresponded with her? And not to bring about RuPaul again. <laughs> no, you're fine. Of course, I did. I did once meet her, believe it or not. Um, oh my God. And it, how was it? She's like, she is aren't you that girl? <laughs> <laughs> ain't you that Bible bitch? Um, it was a very interesting <laughs> interaction. She, it was, it was set up day, DragCon LA 2016. And um, we were setting up at the booth, and we saw in the distance that this is the only time I think she's done this, where she was literally going from booth to booth to booth and like talking to people and like thanking them for being there. I know it sounds so weirdly out of character. It was it was early it was early in the drag con days. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was only year two, so it was early. Um, And she she came up to my booth. And she has such an interesting energy about her where it's like, A, very anxiety inducing, but I think that's more of a personal thing because like, I bet. I'm, I'm in front of RuPaul right now. Um, and then, but the, right, of course. the way she engaged in conversation was like, she would ask you a question and then like, before you could answer it, like my mouth would be open with like two words out of my mouth. And then she had another question to ask. So I think it's like, I feel like for her, I think it might be just, like, a power control dynamic. So, like, she's in control mm. and, like, is able to, like, put a, a detonation on the conversation when it's time to bounce. Um, mm. So I found myself, like, perpetually trying to play catch-up in conversation with her. And, like, I, it was very overwhelming. It was, did she like, did she know who you were? She, did she have, like, a little, like, minion telling you, like, okay, this is <laughs> she, she, girl? She didn't. But I actually I actually have a funny story now that I think about it. So my, my sister, she used to work at uh, Bloomingdale's in Soho. And there was one day where it had to have been, uh, it had to have been 2016, maybe even right before that interaction I had with her in Los Angeles. And so Rue came into Bloomingdale's in Soho and... <gasps> My sister Jay went up to her and like she's not like Jay is not like a RuPaul stan or a drag race like avid watcher by any stretch of the imagination, but is inclinated to the world and culture because of my my work and of so course. She, so she How went could you not? so she went up to Ru and was like, Oh my god, like sorry to be that person. Like I just think like you're so amazing. My brother does drag, um, and like we have a whole like his whole business because of like what you have really like created. It wasn't like being an ass kisser; it was being very genuine and just trying to like give give Uh praise and tens and deuce. I'm scared. She okay. This is like crazy, and like I'm I'm unlocking real time memory as like how this all unfolded too because she called me like right after it happened. Like she went outside, and in tears? Question mark. She was shook. Um, and oh, no. I, she was like, I have never had an experience like this with anybody in my entire life. I was like, oh my God, what do you mean? And she was like, she just was like really deadpan, kind of disinterested. <gasps> and then she was like, when I told him you did drag, she was like, oh, what's her name? And Jay was like, oh, Bible girl. And then she said that Rue was like, thanks for the warning and kept moving. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's so crazy! Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why you never got on. Yeah, she was like, man, she knew I was just gonna end up replacing her at the end of the day, so she's got to keep me on my toes. True, true. Wait, no, it's true. It's true. Wait, so what season do you think I'd be on? I can see you hosting like a drag. Oh, I was gonna. Oh, yeah. Let me think. I like what's coming to mind right now. Just like. I, should it be like I feel like it should be post season eight just because mm-hmm. that was like the first one you auditioned for mm-hmm. um 
if I had to pick, honestly, like, I, f- I feel like you would fit really well on on season 10. Okay, okay, you're close. I was, do you, I was do asked you agree? To, I, was, I, I agree. I was asked for nine. That was the first time I was asked. I was going to say nine. I just think it would make more sense for 10 because Nina Bonina. Wait. Yes? Nope, Nina was nine. Could you imagine? <gasps> oh, my God. I'm, this is so embarrassing for me. Wait. Oh, yeah, she fan. was on nine. Uh, by the way, I started watching Drag Race. I started watching Drag Race season two. Um, so I'm I I'm not a fake fan. No, no, <laughs> well, no, 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 of course not. I'm literally like RuPaul. I'm like, who is that? Who is that? I <laughs> no. Um. Oh, she is season. Nine. Oh my god. Yeah. Sorry. No. Maybe you. Uh, maybe you would be better on season nine. I think my lucky stars that that didn't work out either though because um there, okay, there was like yeah season nine would work the cheerleading gymnastics challenge oh <laughs> which was like completely unethical to make anybody do that has zero background in that world that like Kayo for context that like caused like at least like three injuries I yeah. guess like. One of the girls had to be sent home. I'm, I don't want to spoil. He hasn't seen that season. That's a, yeah, season nine's a great season for how it's so good. It is. It is. You gotta watch Untucked. Oh my god, because I was thinking like, because it'd be Nina, Nina Brown. Like all the meme queens are there. Farah, Valentina. So um, Farah and I, uh, we knew that we were um, in that like waiting hold of the echelon that might be on nine along with like um mm-hmm. eva destruction of dragula was in that oh my ether. god eva oh my um, god eva is another queen i've been following forever she's everything like, and and yeah. she, she'll give you exactly what you expect in terms of like humility you gotta go on dragula like as a guest judge or have you like literally my brain is rotted oh i've been on twice as a guest judge and as the grand prize you sponsor. have yep. okay that's that's what i thought grand prize right. sponsor for season two honey Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, mm-hmm. Slay. That's 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 actually goals. I I someday I hope to become famous enough to be a guest judge on anything. <laughs> but if I could choose, like I feel like they have no idea who I am. <laughs> You're gonna be my I'm Michelle Visage. <gasps> oh my god! Oh my god! Thank you, Jesus! <laughs> Thank you! Oh my god! So who would I be? Who, what season would you be on? No, who, oh, who? Oh, what judge would I be? Oh, Ross Matthews. Probably Ross. Ah! Oh my God! Yes. Not Carson. No, 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 no. Well, Ross is. Mm, Kai is hilarious. You know, <laughs> Kayo is Kayo is like. Uh, who else could Kai? Kayo's no. Kayo Santino. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Santino. San, <laughs> Kyle just looked up Ross Matthews. He knows who it is. <laughs> I was just like, please don't be this guy. And then I Google image Ross Matthews, and it's that guy. No, leave Ross alone. Wait, wait. There's like tea. Like, okay, we might have to cut this out because I don't know if I can say this. Sure. Not that it's not public knowledge or not, but like, my mom told me that like apparently Ross Matthews is a top. Is a what? T-O-P, I can't say it out loud. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That is, is what I've heard. I've heard. I've heard it's uh, uh, Ross is a prescriber to blouse culture. Oh. Yes. Wait, no, it's... Wait, no, and he just made a joke about that on the All-Stars 8. Did he? Yeah, he was like, I'm a blouse... What did he say? 
I forgot about that like term. <laughs> it's such but a he, he it's definitely so made that joke. I'll send it to you. I'll oh send it to you. It's like I, it's like girl, I can't believe it. I'm sorry. And I sorry, I I, I sound very homophobic. I'm sorry. No. Like I I've only dated women besides my boyfriend, okay? Like I just Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> just, how, how how just Palm Springs print button downs. <laughs> Wait, so Kyle and Rod Matthews, Kyle just and Ross Matthews, Wikipedia and did control F and search top, and nothing came up. <laughs> Therefore, it's not true. I will. I will give Ross time though. Ross is really Ross's father. Ross Ross is definitely father for sure. Ross is really nice to the the uh, performers. I've worked. Um, That's what I've heard. I He's worked like, a bunch I of his. Him. I worked at Bossy Rossi. Amen, sister. Oh yeah, she could boss me around whenever. How, she Kaya, wants. you gotta watch the Bossy Rossi show. Mm-hmm. You're, you're only getting um, half the story right now. Yeah, if you're not if you're not if you're not watching Fosse Ross, you're only getting a fourth of the story. <laughs> An eighteenth percentile. <laughs> Wait, okay, no, Kaya is Santino. Santino is literally father, except he's like insane, insane. conspiracy theorist. But he's literally father to me. Like, like I wish I could go back in time and save him. Be like, baby, it's the fact okay. that he was a villain on like season two of Project Runway, and I can't even find that season. Oh my anywhere. god, yes, I know. And like, I that was also a show. Like, I kind of grew up watching mm-hmm. was I, uh, I, uh, Project Runway. My mom, like, my mom and I watched Drag Race since like season two, basically, and like we also were watching like project runway and my mom was like so happy when he was on drag race but like when he was good I, no he one was knows great. that he's <laughs> true true i just feel like santi because like, i started kayo like i when we like i've just like forced him to like watch drag like i'm like that classic girl who's like bachelorette party at drag well, show just kidding, I mean, kidding, RuPaul, kidding rupaul puts a lot of stuff in for me like they like i'm compelled by the whole multiple people injured in the cheerleading competition that's just the cheerleading competition yeah that's I feel one like, I feel like football, yeah like i am obsessed with the lore i my other major in like college was like uh history and i would i i always talk about wanting to be an internet historian but i've always wanted to be like a rupaul historian because there's so much lore and rupaul adjacent like um speaking of like, rupaul lore can we talk about the man in the hudson Oh, sis, like, that's the number one question, like... Does Kai you know have any context? Kai, I do. Kayo knows about it. Um, he does, like... The, I know a lot about it. <laughs> yeah, I think... Didn't we talk about it? That's a good it's one. like your point of reference for everything. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll pray for him. It's like, people love to talk about the frocking girl, but everyone goes silent when we talk about the man in the room. <laughs> like, she was just like, I just prayed, I just prayed. Like, I saw him struggling... I turned the other way. It's <laughs> so insane. Like, I'm like, and then it, in that article, it's like RuPaul did not clarify if a man Right, because she left it so ambiguous. It's like, okay, are we being hyperbolic? Are we like going Marianne Williamson here? Or did you actually witness this? And what does this actually... You never know. With Ru- Ru- it could have been... I feel like RuPaul was like on enough drugs that it could have been a hallucination. I feel like she's definitely caught in a perma trip. Like she cracked her neck once too many mm. times. And like <laughs> she's just <laughs> on a different plane. 
I will say something seems a little bit different up there. You know, as <laughs> for someone who's watched like only the very early seasons and the very late seasons, um, something's something changed. That's all I'm gonna say. No, it's true. Like something shifted. Like, cause you can t- in season one, I feel like RuPaul is very like kind. More Tim Gunn. Yeah, exactly. Like, make it work, sis. Like, mm-hmm. for real. Like, it was... She was a lot more, like, kind and almost a little more humble. Like, I have the show. Like, I mean, RuPaul has always been, like, super, like, confident and, mm-hmm. like... like Cause like I'm I'm sure you know like 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 she's always like making posters of herself and like putting them all around like Atlanta even though like she wasn't like famous like, like big she Angelina she like energy. right like exactly like she she like she's very self made in that way which I really admire mm-hmm. like it's like it was like she was laying the ground point f- the ground point she was laying the like foundation for like grifters and like like people like me who just like <laughs> like make memes about herself until they like catch on like, my ass like she's i see you well like it's like i mean it's like you making oh sorry it's like you making like bible girl memes like you know it's like she i gotta give her that like that that took nerve and it, it really paid off for her so like rupaul has always been like very like um self-confident and like uh you know, like, she knows herself, and she, like, believes she's all that, but, like, I feel like on season one, she was a little more, like, oh, my God, like, like, kind of, like, humbled by the fact that she has this show, um, and then something shifts, I don't, even in the earlier seasons, like, I don't know what she's in where it really shifts, like, I maybe seven, probably, I think seven broke her. Actually, I would argue, I agree with you, I think seven is definitely where that shift definitely kind of took full, full, um, it, I think, and I think that, and it, it was the it was the Shakespeare episode. I think that broke it's literally me. where my brain was too, or like with, yeah, see, with like how exactly. her and Pearl had points of contention as well. Um, I think okay, so Kyle got to watch season seven. Season seven gets a bad rep, but the cast is incredible. It's ama- It's incredible, it's and so all good. those girls are like world famous. Yes, and like I think like uh, a friend of mine uh, from the scene Theta, she had a podcast. Um, called oh god i can't remember what it was called but it was specifically about her watching season seven in real time and her assessment Mm -hmm. of pearl i thought was so profound she was like pearl in just like her just who she is as herself is actually the perfect drag race contestant because she didn't know Mm -hmm. how to be on reality tv and so like you were just getting such raw underproduced i love pearl me too like pearl uh, is like uh, one of the most like interesting drag race contestants out there in my opinion she because shifted. of her the way she interacted with the show and how she like defied RuPaul like she was the only one who had the the like guts to do it in the yeah. way she did yeah and by being like apathetic but not really like she, I mean that was that was like a coping mechanism for her 100% because, like, like that despondency because I don't want to spoil it too much for Kayo because the scene in question with Pearl and RuPaul is so funny that, like, I can't spoil it for him because I love him too much. I'm but, shocked RuPaul um, did not shit herself when that happened. Oh, I know. She put that producer hat on, mm-hmm. <laughs> as, they, as she says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell it. Tell it. Um, yeah, I think I think through season seven, though, she did lose that sense of humanity. It was like they were trying to even, like, aesthetically something, for that season. Something, something changed in her brain. Yeah, I think, but, but I think that's but but season seven was when it really like, I think the like, social media kind of came into the like 
equation. Their their cast the reveal show. was on Snapchat. I remember distinctly. Oh my god! Um, yeah. And never I, forget the season eleven cast reveal with Aquaria on like live stream. A disaster. And then I actually just it saw was, it was camp. So Aquaria <laughs> tweeted out recently about how there's like three other versions of all of it in its entirety that they filmed like the entire it's, There's day. like a lot of RuPaul lost media like yes. out there. Yes. Um, uh, you had to be there. <laughs> RuPaul forgets she was there. <laughs> she wasn't even in that the cast room. No, so. no, they had the cardboard cut out, propped up and ready to go. <laughs> That's right. That was so... I remember exactly the outfit she's wearing. Like the hair, like... But yeah, I think like season 10, like with like Violet Chachki, like like, and like Pearl, like the like the sort of Instagram queen. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that as a pejorative. I am an Mm -hmm. Instagram queen and not a drag queen, but a queen in another (laughs) way, Um, you know, like. So I I do not I I actually really admire it and endorse it, but I love bedroom queen queens i think they're all amazing but um anyway like <laughs> something shifted i think pearl broke her and i also think like the internet like social media kind of changed how the show was was operating and it was also like when like people were going insane online you know like, yeah the fervency of crazy. culture yes completely stand culture was like ramping up and and then like uh, was like I know I'm saying uh, like the show uh, like got was got added to the equation mm-hmm. with like Trixie and Katya and that was like super insane meteoric and yeah like that was like a canon event as they say yes, yes, um, yes. so yeah something shifted and I think RuPaul like something in her brain just like you know something changed like DIY lobotomy not it wasn't a lobotomy though because she became like even more insane I think I think honestly it's a testament to the innocuousity of being mm -hmm, surrounded mm -hmm. by people telling you how amazing you are all the time like having a team Mm -hmm. and like whether that's a direct intention by said people surrounding her no it's uh, true like the show is like a worship of her and for better for worse like it's yeah. like every challenge is about her, which I mean, it's her show. I I, I enjoy it because 100. of how ridiculous it is. 100. Like it's camp, like but um, and she's earned it in some ways, in some ways not maybe, but like I don't, I I appreciate it. I think it's fun. It's it's hard to not for it's hard for RuPaul not to be surrounded by people telling her how amazing she is all the time. Because she genuinely is pretty amazing. Yes. Yeah, in her, <laughs> in like what she's accomplished and yes. like her, her yes. talent. But I, I, I don't mean this to like say RuPaul's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to like kiss RuPaul's ass or anything. Like, sorry, RuPaul, if you're listening, she's definitely listening right now. <laughs> um, she saw like, me on the building. Like, she said I'm in. Yeah. yeah. So like, I, I have a lot of love for RuPaul. I have, like, I also have criticisms of her, like obvious, like just like everyone else. But um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, multiple things can exist at the same say. time. I think, I think a lot true, of her legacy true. has set a lot of precedent and has mm-hmm. also helped, um, normalize, uh, career paths, you know, such as my own, like she was someone who, uh, was a North star, so to speak, that I could look towards in terms of like, there's blueprint here. There's clearly a recipe for success and that recipe comes down to what you want it to be and if you believe in it then everyone else will believe in it and that's something that i've definitely carried from her for sure and you know again no one is perfect it doesn't absolve her 
of her misgivings from time to time. Um, but I, not everything's in a vacuum, and I think um, her career um, and what she's done and set the groundwork down for, I think definitely should not be overlooked by any stretch of the imagination. I love how on the, the show, when RuPaul is on the screen, she's either going to say something like really beautiful and inspirational and nice, <laughs> or say something just absolutely heartbreakingly devastating and destroy someone. And that's like part of what makes RuPaul so scary. And then at yes. the same time, like that also is a good metaphor for like RuPaul in the larger picture. Like she, that is literally who she is. Like she, she can destroy. And she, she can, can make someone like, and destroy lift them. Up. No, it's true. It's not. That's not TV. It's really who she is. Yes, and no, that's it's the true. Thing like, is, like the people on the blacklist, the RuPaul blacklist. Which is crazy that it's a thing. I thought I okay. So I know. I thought I was on it. I thought I was on it. Still to this day, <laughs> they asked me to be on sixteen. And what? I, I hadn't been asked since nine and I was asked Girl. to do season 16 and I, it's, it's so, it's like, it, I likened it to like when you have to talk shit about the edible. So then it hits, I had already co-signed, <laughs> I co-signed like, I'm not set, like I'm done. Like this isn't part of my thing. Like it's fine. Anyone who wants to do it, there's never any judgment, of course. But I knew that that's not something that's gonna be aligned with what my path or my trajectory are for multiple varying circumstances, i.e. she can make or break you and it can be whatever it ends up being and it goes beyond your control. That's just one aspect. So as I had already co-signed and made this up in my head, we're out, we, we hit the two-week deadline, or two-week out from deadline of audition tapes being due and I didn't make one because I wasn't going to. And then I was talking with my best friend Lolo, kind of affirming that because he had also tapped in. was like, what's your thought process? Like, have you thought about doing it anymore? And then like in that like 24 hour window of us having that dialogue i woke up and had a dm from the fucking casting agency um being like hey we were wondering if you're thinking about sending in tape this year we were hoping to see it in the mix and i just replied back being like that's so nice of you um let me know what you're looking for and then let's go from there because i'm like the audition tape like i don't it takes work it's a lot of fucking work and to be alluded to promise or like be half guaranteed to something that you're literally putting your entire fucking pussy into um is really hard to like grapple with in in the yielding potential outcome of you just hear nothing back i have a i have a question just now like is this the first time you've publicly said that you were asked to be on it or no i uh for 16 it is it's the first time i believe i've said okay so please god please i need to end up in a drag race drama video or something (laughs) please (laughs) well we'll talk to drag t serve with matt i think please drag drag tea serve with matt please put this in your video (laughs) be like according to a podcast we have tea we have tea oh it's the exclusive yeah yeah so I know Please there God. were um, circumstances in the past where there have been contestants that were invited to be a part of the show, um, and there are varying stories where certain ones I don't believe had to end up sending in a tape, or they sent in something that. that didn't follow the protocol of what like the boot camp step by stepness of a usual audition tape was. So it wasn't even that it was phoned in; it was just something. And when I was asked to apply. For season nine, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, too, I had made up my mind that I wasn't going to do it. And then, of course, it was, like, that two-week window before audition season was over, and I got an email on April 1st, and it was from the casting company 
and at the end they had like a postscript that was like in red bold italicized font it was like also we know the date that we've sent this on it's not a joke so please send in the tape <laughs> um and i reached out to the director and because of the how tight the turnaround was let me this is the window that i was working within i was about to move apartments i had austin drag fest and then DragCon LA, and then between both of those con festival things, I had a gig in um, West Virginia. So I told the director, I was like, look, this is a very, very tight turnaround that I think y'all are expecting something quality from me, and I just, in like my earnest heart of hearts, I don't know that I'm gonna be able to deliver what you're looking for, like that I know I can deliver if given enough ample heads up and like having Mm -hmm. the time and space to do it. And so then it was, and then I was replied to back with, oh, no, 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 just send us anything that you think you can get done. Smiley faces, all that good kind of conjecture. And I was like, okay, work. So it came to the point where then I was filming like in my hotel room in West Virginia, part of like the questionnaire stuff, actively editing stuff. I, I have a uh, self-taught film background. So like, it's just one of those like secondary languages as us children of the internet tend to have. Um, and mm-hmm. I put this honestly in my opinion it was a really bitching audition tape and um not i never got response i saw a couple of you counts go up and then Mm -hmm. it just goes it just goes to the wayside so it's like i i have a level of cynicism and being jaded by the process already um and not like a resentful way i'm just like i i can objectively see that there's never anything guaranteed whether you get on or you don't or you do get on your the way the cards fall it goes beyond our control yeah and that's kind of what princess poppy talked about too yeah yeah it's like we we are people and i I, not to speak for poppy but from anything that i've gathered we are people that definitely are able to rise to occasions that are requested for us to rise to and i think outside of a microcosm like a hyper-produced situation like drag races um we can prove that. <laughs> but when all possible cards are just innately stacked against you for whatever reason, whether it be a storyline or production ha- having some irky type of way that they feel about you and they just want to, like, find a way to, like, inclinate that through the storyline itself. It's just, like, I don't I don't know that it's worth it. And so, like, when then I had asked for this, this 16 reach out, um, I, I asked in earnest because it's, like, fuck you like if you want I say fuck you in, in positive conjecture it's like if you think if you want me so bad to the point where you came back seven came, years they later calling back. girl don't they always they always fucking do <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I was just like let me know what exactly what you need from me because I'm not about to break my ass for two I'm not weeks joking, bitch. oh I was not fucking joking and, and so <laughs> the, not joking. Their, their response to that was scene <laughs> they're like Okay. They're like, okay, honey, but, whatever. But imagine the gag. Sorry, just as a fan. Imagine the gag, though, like a season down the line. And it's like, <laughs> do the cast reveal. And it's like actually you. And it's not like an edit. <laughs> like that would be the gag. Like it would break the internet. I, so like I, in my brain, it's like I almost hope you do it someday. I do too. I won't, your, like, lie. Story. I won't lie. It's still just a for dream. the gag. It's, it's still a dream. And like, Trust me, like, no matter how, like, what happens on drag, like, like, on the show, like, with you, like, no matter how far you make it, whatever happens, however they edit you or whatever, like, you will be 
the fan favorite period oh my god just queenie oh the, your so, reputation precedes you sophie Thank and you. i will make sure oh yeah i mean we will fight for you well you already have like a bunch of foot soldiers like everyone's like everyone knows who you are so like and they know your like you they know like your relationship to the show so i just think it would be such a funny gag if it wasn't an edit and oh. you were just like on like it would be so funny like everyone would oprah gif you know like <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's our I J B O L. Bible girl, Bible girl speaks Oprah, Oprah <laughs> gift language. I don't even have to explain the Oprah gift that I bring up every episode. <laughs> yeah, we're besties for the resties here. Y'all are so sweet. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for like coming on. This is a honor, um, especially to my past self, who was always seeing you on Twitter all the time um thank you so much for coming on like thank you um i feel like i learned a lot and yeah bible girl could you just quickly tell us your website where we can buy your stuff and give you money absolutely thank you so much first of all thank you to the both of you for having me like this i you know i feel like like attracts like we definitely we see each other we're we're cut from the same fabrics yeah, we, no, it's true. It's we, true. We, see, we see the same future that we earnestly want for the world and for our community just, and chosen families. Amen. So thank you for sharing this space with me. It, uh, of course. Deeply appreciated. Um, and so my, my website where you can buy all my shit and so many other performers shit in the best way possible kind of shit is uh, dragqueenmerch.com. Merch.com. Mm-hmm. Tell it. Mm, tell it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dryqueenrich.com. And you can get the Bible Girl shirt there. So if you want to support that shirt, give Bible Girl some extra support right now because, like, we're protesting like she Target. Deserves it with the Target. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, like, no. Oh, tell it. Tell it. <laughs> <laughs> Bad, wait. Bible Girl, tell it. Okay, sorry, sorry, Kai. Sorry, okay. sorry Kai. To... Okay, no, 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 it's good. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and follow Bible Girl, which is your Bible Girl 666. Yes. Yes, Bible Girl 666 on, on Instagram, um, Bible Girl 222 on Twitter and on TikTok. Oh, I, am I didn't Bible know that. Girl it's literally sucks. The, that's literally like the mental effect. Oh my God. Okay. Um, we'll put that in the description. We'll put too. in the description. Thank you so much, the friends. Podcast. So thank you so much for coming on. If you were ever in New York again, we'd yes. love to say hi. Um, all right. Um, yeah. So this has been Based News Network. Bye, Bye. everyone listening. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.